0: but I think at the end of the day any self-doubt is essentially and not in these words but it can be related to procrastination I think to overcome the mm. self-doubt even though if you're scared to kind of take that next step you do need to take that action uh, yes. whether you're you know whether there's fear around it whether it's starting a business whether it's branching into a new niche or even like yourself moving a lot of people you know They just they have fear around it and then they procrastinate and don't actually do it. Welcome to the
1: Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey balancers, and welcome to episode 79 of the Balance Theory Podcast. Today, I am joined by Naomi Johnston, who is the founder and creative director at NJ Consulting, a digital marketing consultancy based in Sydney, who's on a mission to empower business owners in the digital space to create impactful brands through strategy, web, and social media solutions. Today's episode is a real treat for anybody looking to start their own business, people struggling with working from home and separating the personal and the professional and anybody interested in some really cool personal development tips. So today we chat about why you need to be selective with who you go to for advice. Naomi shares some awesome practical tips. There's a four-step process on how to start a business, including specific apps and tools you can use. So this is very, very informative. Why it's important to identify your values, and she also shares some really cool productivity hacks. We also have a nice chat about how she upkeeps her balance as an entrepreneur or in general, a busy person, tips for everybody working from home, whether you're an employee or running your own business and why it's important to bring and set an intention to the space that you're working in. This point I loved particularly because as you all know, I've recently relocated overseas and I am living kind of out of a suitcase for the next six months, to be honest, we're still finding our feet. And so for me, I was that kind of person who needed a set space to work, who needed a stable environment to get in the zone. And now I really don't have that at all. And it got me thinking about those of you listening who may be working from your bedroom or working from a really small place like I am at the moment, but it's never too late to set an intention and kind of reset the space you're working in to make it work for you. And this was something I got a lot out of today's chat because it's honestly a make or break for me in terms of my productivity and concentration. And it's something I've had to learn to do on the fly. So love everything shared today. If you have a friend or family member who is going to also love this episode, then feel free to send it on to them. Knowledge is great when we hear it, but it's even better when we share it. If you haven't had a chance to leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, it would mean the absolute world to me. So don't be shy. You can scroll to the bottom of all the episodes and leave your thoughts there. I've also popped Naomi's IG and LinkedIn handles in the show notes, so head on over, give her a follow, check out what she's doing, and I know you guys are going to love today's chat. Let's dive straight in. All right, Balancers, this is my first recording all the way from Dubai, and funnily enough, I'm interviewing someone from Sydney, but Naomi, a very warm welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. It's so nice to have you on the show this morning.
0: Thank you, Erica. It's great to join you.
1: Likewise, I know we um, got a little bit warmed up off air while we were chatting, getting to know each other. But for the listeners who are tuning in, can you share a little bit about who you are and what you do?
0: Yeah, sure. So I am born and bred in Adelaide, actually. So I then moved to Sydney. Um, I've been living in Sydney ever since. I founded my digital marketing consultancy business, NJ Consulting, five years ago now. So I guess my role that I go by every day is founder and creative director of NJ Consulting. Um, So it's a digital marketing agency that works with business owners in real estate and construction on their brand. So that's, I guess, um, professionally who I am on a personal level. um, I'm a very active person, like we were chatting about before, doing the um, 4am rises, going to the gym, Uh, Just being active, I love that, Um, as well as, you know, personal development, um, podcasts and books and everything like that. So, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I'm definitely eager to kind of chat through my journey and kind of share um, to the balances tips and things that I've kind of learnt over the past five years with building my business and hopefully they can kind of take it, whether, you know, you're have a side hustle idea in mind or you know whether you're working on a business um, on weekends I'm definitely yeah happy to help.
1: Yeah I'm really excited to get into the nitty-gritty as well. Uh, Firstly I just want to say that I I really love that you've split it up into this is who I am professionally and this is who I am personally because I think a lot of the time we get so stuck in this identity of I am a lawyer, I am a teacher and we start to identify ourselves within the constraints of whatever that title is but it's a nice reminder to everybody listening that that's actually not who you are it's what you do and there's a very big difference and sometimes I find if you feel that disconnect with um sorry to go deep so early on the combo but like I find that disconnect between I guess your passion or your purpose or your why I think sometimes it's it's it might come down to that disassociation between like who you are professionally and personally so um I I just wanted to call that out because I love that you just split that but I'm very curious so take me back to before NJ consulting what were you doing for work did you work for somebody else or did you always know that you wanted to start your own business
0: so I always I'm from a big family so one of six kids um so I thought I was big I'm one of four (laughs) Oh yeah. One of six kids. And you know what? I'm not sure whether you were the same, but when I was a kid, I didn't necessarily like being part of a big family just because, you know, there's heaps of kids. We're all doing our own thing. Um, but now I'm well, really excited to be Which,
1: which, which number child were you?
0: So second eldest girl. So five girls, one boy, he's the eldest. Okay. So you're
1: in the middle. So I was, I was the oldest. I didn't, I did not love it that, like I I didn't mind it, it wasn't the worst, but maybe being in the middle, you just feel like you're in the middle of like so many people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. Like I, yeah, I didn't like it much as a kid, but now as an adult, I really appreciate it. We're all very unique in what we do and in our jobs and everything like that. But I definitely, yeah, I love it. So I guess coming from a big family, parents are not entrepreneurial. So parents are academics um so my dad's an engineer my mum's uh, a language teacher so they didn't necessarily pass along the entrepreneurial str- um, strains to me I guess from a young age I was doing market stools I was selling things to my siblings you know clothing and everything like that so I definitely it came from a young age um I'm not sure where it came from but Yeah, I had some interesting um, careers over the years. I was doing door knocking um, (laughs) as soon as I could get any work at 12. Um, But I guess my career in marketing started, I started in the fitness industry. So I worked for an RTO in the space. So essentially they would qualify personal trainers to become personal trainers. Mm -hmm. Um, Worked there for about two years. But I guess the kind of pivotal part in me starting NJ Consulting was getting that that role because the way I got it, I was doing a university assignment for a new venture management subject, um, and then one of the assignments was we had to interview an entrepreneur. Um, the person I selected was the business owner of the RTO. He then that's awesome. Uh, yeah, upon me interviewing him, he then came back um, offering me the job, which I took. Um, and then from that, I guess I just built up a referral network of clients who are still my clients today, uh, right from the get-go. So they've been with me for, you know, over over five years now. Um, so that was really where it started. I guess my passion for marketing definitely... Um, started from a place of kind of seeing the potential with, say, social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, and kind of seeing business owners that could see the platforms. They just weren't sure how to kind of make it work for their business. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that story. they have got a couple of questions. First one, I kind of have a very similar experience in the sense like, obviously, I'm one of four, which I thought was a lot of kids, but No, nothing on six, but my parents as well weren't necessarily entrepreneurial. They had, um, you know, they were employees. And so when it came to me thinking about starting my own business, that was such a daunting thing because firstly, it wasn't how I was raised or saw as a way to make money. It wasn't a, a stable way to kind of set yourself up in terms of like the traditional way my family had done it. And so there was a lot of hesitation and self-doubt bound up in that. And so I just wanted to ask you, even though you had that that early spirit, that early entrepreneurial spirit and that energy to, I guess, do your own thing and be your own boss and a bit of a go-getter mindset, Um, Did you experience anything similar at the beginning of your business journey or even throughout up till now? And if so, how do you, I guess, navigate those sorts of thoughts and emotions? Because I think Mm -hmm. for a lot of people listening who either may be in a position where they do have a side hustle or they want to start one or they want to leave their job and start a business, or maybe they even want to push themselves in their actual career, that borderline imposter syndrome or self-doubt can be so consuming sometimes that it's really difficult to push through and take the next step. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. So I guess I, like many other people in Sydney, it's a big thing. But I think globally, you're kind of told to go to uni, to get a job, to kind of be very safe, um, to not really, you know, essentially uni is everything, right? You kind of need to get that degree to prove yourself. Um, I think, yeah, I definitely, I compared myself to my siblings um, early on, you know, in my career, my parents who did do the more traditional path, I guess I, my way of kind of, I knew where I wanted to be and I knew kind of who I looked up to. So I think that that was probably a big thing for me, whether it was listening to Gary V, Tony Robbins, attending their events, or whether it was just finding, Um, clients or friends that were kind of with my same mindset I found that that kind of really helped me to shift kind of the comparisonitis um, between comparing myself to you know the traditional kind of path Um, so to me it's been yeah all about relationships and kind of having those mentors in place from an early age um, to yeah to look up to and kind of work with.
1: So if you uh, to date, say, experience any emotions that are, I suppose, a little bit similar or on the wavelength of self, self-doubt self or, um, you know, just that hesitation, do you then say, put on a Tony Robbins podcast or, um, you know, like, is that sort of one of your coping strategies or do you think that by having that support network and those mentors, you've been able to, I guess, avoid those feelings and thoughts altogether?
0: Yeah, to be honest, I haven't had too many self-doubt feelings and thoughts over the years. I think whenever I doubt something, my first point of call is to, say, chat to someone who has experienced something similar in a business setting um, or, yeah, play a, a motivational podcast, listen to a documentary, um, something to really kind of instill um, yeah, to kind of just remove any self-doubt um, whatsoever. But I think at the end of the day, any self-doubt is essentially, and not in these words, but it can be related to procrastination, I think, to overcome the mm. self-doubt, even though if you're scared to kind of take that next step, you do need to take that action. Uh yes. Whether you're, you know, whether there's fear around it, whether it's starting a business, whether it's branching into a new niche, or even like yourself moving. A lot of people, you know, they just, they have fear around it and then they procrastinate and don't actually do it. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. Like exactly what you just said, taking action doesn't have to be a huge monumental change. You can just take the small steps to start overcoming those thoughts and feelings. But I think the most um, important thing you just said and, and thing I want to reiterate to everybody is if you're struggling with something, who you then turn to, to get advice from or speak to it about is really important because if you've got a business issue and you go and speak to say mom or dad who have never run a business and are a little bit more risk averse, you know, the advice may not match up with what you actually need or the direction you, that would be best for whatever issue it is you're going through. So I guess like I'm not saying don't go to your mom and dad for stuff, obviously, but I'm just saying like, be very mindful of who you're getting advice from and and what their life experience or expertise have to, I guess, offer for your issue. And that's one thing I've learned, especially with friends. You know, it's it's so funny, like you'll have your key friends that you'll vent to or, or just download on for like different things, right? But then when you really think about it, um, there, there are particular people who maybe necessarily you don't you're not inspired, let's say, by their relationship. Well, their relationship is not one that you would really want, but you go and talk to them about your own relationship. So I always like hearing this even from a business point of view because it really uh, like flows on and carries over to the everything else in our life. So it's just like being mindful of, I guess, who you're going to for advice. Um,
0: Definitely, 100%. And even with that, like from a business perspective, I find it quite helpful going to people that aren't necessarily within my industry, so my industry being marketing um, and communications. I actually, you know, think it's beneficial to go to people that have set up businesses in different industries, so say recruitment or, you know, health and fitness business, a gym. Um, I think it's definitely, there's so many transferable skills, uh, professionally and personally, that you can learn from these people and kind of the path that they've took uh, hasn't been necessarily all up all the way you know up and down but it's definitely yeah interesting to get a, a range of different opinions but be selective for sure
1: yeah absolutely so now let's chat a little bit about building a business so this segment I think is going to be very useful for anybody listening who's in that headspace of really wanting to start something whether it is a side hustle or a full on business now looking back at your 5 year journey with NJ consulting what tips would you have for somebody in that initial maybe they're in the ideation phase Uh, maybe they've just, you know, just kind of started getting the the brand together in their mind or what the product or service looks like. What would you have told yourself, I suppose, five years ago? What tips can you share from your own experience?
0: So I think number one is definitely passion. So in order to build a sustainable business, you need to be passionate about it. Um, You need to kind of it shouldn't feel like work. It should just feel like a passion project. You're just doing it, you know, um, nine to five or whatever the hours that you select. So passion's number one, but then in building a business, it needs to be sustainable and profitable. So I think step two would definitely be get clear on the service and or product that you're wanting to sell. Um, that kind of flows into being clear on who you're wanting to sell to. So the ideal customer avatar, the challenge it solves, um, price point. So that kind of all comes under getting clear on exactly what that product or service is. Point three is definitely systemizing. So some of my clients come to me They've, you know, say been in business two years, um, they've got their ideal client, they know their product very well or their service, um, but they have no systems in place. So, some of the, I guess, platforms that you need to kind of be conscious of, whether it's just starting a side hustle or whether it's, you know, building a business that you're, you know, going to sell off in the next 10 years, whatever it is, systemize it. So. Use things like a CRM. You can get free CRMs out there that really help um, manage your, so a CRM is a customer relationship manager. So essentially just keeping track on, you know, all of the clients within the business. Um, Another thing to systemize is Calendly. It's a tool that allows um, clients or um, buyers, whoever they may be, to book into your calendar. So that's definitely something to kind of streamline the business um and then probably just having website management um all of these things systemizing it essentially means that you're not having to slave away um for you know 12 plus hours in a day you can have these systems in place and they just kind of make your life a lot easier on your teams so that's number three um Number four that I would recommend is relationships. I think relationships in a personal and business setting are crucial um, in order for success. So just make sure, you know, when you do build your business or side hustle, that you do appreciate the relationships around you and you build them with people that are aligned to you um, and that share the same vision for your business. So, you know, whether that's team members, clients, business partners, investors, or even just your Instagram followers, making sure that you're communicating to them in a way that, you know, you want your business to be shown. So that's number four. Um, and I guess lastly, number five is scale. So, under scale comes marketing, essentially. So, You need to be able to market your services in a way that's not too pushy, in a way that will essentially broadcast your brand to a wide market um, of your niche target clients. Uh, So whether that's referrals, um, social media inquiries, being able to scale your business is, I guess, the priority for a lot of people. So yeah, that's number five in building a strong business.
1: Awesome. And would you say, just because having sort of gotten one business off the ground in the process of systemizing another one now, would you say that that's probably in order of the, like, just say you only had a certain amount of time in a day? like that would kind of be the order you would tackle it because I'm just thinking in my mind now for anybody listening who has a full-time job and wants to start a side hustle that sounds like a lot of work and let's not downplay the fact that starting a business is a lot of work Um, Mm. but I guess my question is more like can people start with steps one two and three and then build up to say scaling and marketing when they're in a position where one to three is sort of comfortable that make
0: sense? 100%. Yeah, I would definitely recommend having a staged approach. I think there's a lot of um, business owner overwhelm, as you've probably seen, you know, people trying to get everything done in a day or in a week or in a month. And essentially the quality of, say, the system or their marketing isn't up to scratch. So definitely, yeah, take your time with it. Don't rush it. Do it stage by stage. So, yeah, get clear on that product and service, then move to systemize, then relationships and scale and really market that. That way I think you're not having to do a lot of going back and kind of tweaking, um, say, you know, your ideal target client or you're not having to tweak, you know, the platform that your website's on. None of that by doing it, I think, in a nice staged approach and being patient is key.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the reasons I really love speaking to business owners like yourself is because I really like getting deep into their lifestyle. I think the trap a lot of us fall into is um, we can thank the hustle culture for, which I suppose is this, I don't know, I feel like it came out of COVID and... People just look like they were so productive and they were starting all these things. And I think it casts a lot of shame on people who maybe weren't doing things or weren't moving that quickly or were not thinking about five different businesses all at once. And I think that hustle culture as it stands needs to be approached very, very carefully. Um, and, and I guess I wanted to know your thoughts on the culture. Um, do you think it's toxic? And what does hustling actually mean to you in your week?
0: Hmm. So I think it is toxic if you don't have balance. So if your business occupies 80% of your time and then you have, say, 10% of time for self-care, 10% of time for social activities, I don't think that that is sustainable. I think that that is, yeah, toxic. So I think hustling can be not toxic and I think I guess looking at my kind of journey over the past five years early on and even like to your point earlier through COVID I guess when we we were kind of locked in our apartments or houses with you know nothing much else to do a lot of us were thinking about um, growing businesses and everything like that but now back to normality I think balance is a key thing so I guess for me, I went from doing, you know, the 4am get ups, um, getting on my laptop, say at 6am straight through to 11pm with minimal breaks, Um, I've definitely shifted now to have a lot more balance. So, you know, waking up a bit later, um, getting up and going for walks, you know, whether that's to the ocean or in nature. Um, spending time with friends, family, loved ones, um, and really kind of making it all of those other aspects outside of the business a priority as well. Um, mm. That's definitely been a big thing for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely want to pull
1: out like what you the example you just gave there. So you're waking up at four, and let's say you're doing like an, a six a six to eleven p.m. day with minimal breaks. I think that sounds a lot like the example you first gave, which is like 80% of work. And then you got 10 and 10 left over for social and life. Now I'd be, um, I'd be interested to ask you how you actually felt during that time, because I think a lot of the time when we've got so much motivation and so much energy, we can probably push through a schedule like that for a little bit of time. And it feels like you're just on a roll and you're in flow. And I would argue that at the beginning of a business, if you have that zest and that passion, like just go for it, but it's about being super mindful of how you're actually feeling. So they will probably get to a point where you're like, "I'm feeling the signs of burnout, um, adrenal fatigue. I'm exhausted. I don't have energy for anything." And so the question is really not how much are you, how much time are you spending in work? Because if that's eighty percent and you feel energized outside of that to do the things you love, then I suppose that that works for you at that at that point in time. You know, we we could sit here and argue about whether that will last very long time or whether you could do that for years on end. And I'm sure some people do do that. But I think mm-hmm. the question everybody listening should really be asking themselves. And I think this applies to not only if you're someone like Naomi who has their own business, um, you know, and is working at a routine or a lifestyle that suits yourself, or if you're working for somebody else and particularly if you're doing long hours, it's about the quality of the time outside of work. So even if it is 30 minutes a day with your partner, is it quality time? And is it enough for you? Because there's Mm. one thing to be like, yeah, we spend great time together and I feel super like present when I'm there. And I feel like I just, I'm recharged. You know, when you see those people and you just feel so recharged after being with Uh, them. Yeah. Is it, is it that kind of time? And is it enough for you? I'm the kind of person who needs social interaction on a week to week to feel balanced. And Mm. if I was only getting 10 minutes a day, but I felt like it was super present and it recharged me, then maybe that would be enough given the other other priorities I've got at the moment, if that makes sense. Cause the whole the whole premise of the podcast and and the balance theory is is trying to move away from feeling guilty that you should be doing more or less of something and really owning like, hey, if if your balance at the moment is an 80-20 split between say work and life, that's okay. But you need to be super mindful and aware of that. That 20%, is it enough for you and is it quality? So that would be my only call out, um, I suppose, on top of that. But I, but it, by the sounds of it, by you shifting your routine, um, it, it sounds like, you know, you're also very aware of what you need to feel balanced. And I suppose on that note, it's it's a nice reflection for everybody listening to remember that it's not this, um, I guess, perfect formula that you work out and you're like, hey, I've got the balance all worked out now. And Then in two years when your business scales, it's going to have to change again because, you know your your day-to-day just looks completely different maybe you only working four hours but it's like the most intense four hours of your life so um yeah yeah it's it's interesting to hear your thoughts on um hustle culture because I do agree with you that it it can be toxic if we aren't aware of that element of balance as well
0: yeah I think like for me it, I love goal setting so I goal set every uh, week every month and every year it was when I was doing goal setting probably two years ago now where I kind of sat down and worked out my values which I'd recommend to anyone to kind of figure out what you value in life you might think you know but I think until you kind of get a pen and paper out and start jotting down what's you know on your mind to kind of how you want your life to look say in 5, 10, 15 years that you kind of work out your values um so it was do you mind sharing do you mind sharing some of the
1: values you were able to identify in doing that
0: yeah so some of the values that I were able that I was able to identify was freedom um and quality time so freedom in the sense that, you know, I can work wherever, whenever I want. Um, that's a big one for me. So time freedom, life freedom, so lifestyle freedom, being able to live where I want. Um, but with the quality time, that's more, yeah, when it comes to relationships and partners, um, having that, you know, connection, where, you know, you're speaking with someone and you're present with them, you know, you're not off, on social media, Um, they're not, you know, it's a natural conversation and you're both invested in it. That's really big for me.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree that sitting down, nutting, nutting through your values is so important before we even ask ourselves, like, what do I need to feel balanced? Because if you don't know what those things are that you value or care about or need, it's very hard to then say, well, this would be a balanced or an ideal day for me. But I suppose on that note, what does balance mean to you in the context of being an entrepreneur? Because I know at times there's so many competing priorities and, and um, oh, maybe not necessarily values, but definitely competing priorities, especially when it comes to deadlines and other people's um, requirements. So how do you upkeep your balance as an entrepreneur? What does that actually look like to you?
0: Hmm. So I guess one of the big things that I'd recommend to anyone starting a business or in their business journey is time blocking um, your day. So that's a big thing for me, whether it's team management, so blocking out all of my meetings, say for a Thursday, um, and then focusing on, say, the more creative tasks at the beginning of the week, kind of time blocking the week in a way that works with your productivity. So say if you're more productive earlier in the week or even down to the times of the days, a lot of people are productive, say, in the beginning half of the day and then in the afternoon, they kind of, you know, feel that they're slacking off or that the focus isn't there. For me, I like to do a lot of creative tasks, strategy tasks in the morning and then in the afternoon, focus on all of the admin tasks. Um, So time blocking has been a saviour with regard to balance. 100% as well as living by the calendar popping everything in the calendar even yeah. social events just living by it
1: yeah absolutely and and I love this concept as well um I interviewed Rachel Finch a couple months ago and she introduced me or or raised the idea that you put in your calendar like your personal things as you do like any other appointment so even if that's like to meditate or like if you're finding it hard to i guess make time and you're sitting here listening and you've got that mentality of, I just don't have enough time or I can never find the time to do these things for myself, put it in your calendar like you would any other appointment, like you would if I called you and and scheduled in a podcast appointment, if you had to go to the dentist, all those things, you make time for it because you've literally time blocked. And I love that you brought up time blocking because it's one of my favorite things to do as well, mm. because you can actually look at the minutes and time and hours you've got in your day and think really critically about how you want to spend them. And it's not this, I guess, open-ended day where you're just trying to do things at any random moment. You know, you know you've know, you got, you kind of given yourself windows to do things. And it's really interesting. Like I remember reading this study a while ago and they were saying if you give somebody four hours to do a task, they'll probably take up to four hours. But if you give them one hour, they'll get it done in the hour. And it's mm. almost like if you we've got more time to do it we just procrastinate i think it's like such a human thing to do but i think this concept of time blocking really mitigates that procrastination because there's a there's an end in sight there's a deadline and um, just one more thing on the, on the on the note of scheduling and time blocking in things I also heard a really good tip, which was give yourself like five minute breaks. If you've got meetings back to back, book them in on like the five past the hour, or make them finish five minutes before the hour, so that you have like conscious breaks. If not, you kind of just go on this like
0: yeah long especially cycles, with Zoom, it's break. just yeah back it to can back be to back. it can be draining. And I guess just one more thing to add as well that I've put in place recently, which I can't believe I haven't done this sooner. I, throughout my work day, I literally have no notifications on my phone. So the I do not go, disturb. Yeah. So I don't yes. get any texts. No, I yeah. do get calls just because sometimes um, clients are calling or whatnot. However, no social media notifications, nothing like that. Um, I don't know. I kind of felt like, people were demanding my time and now I feel more in control you know of my time Um, you know I can get back to people when I have the time to not when they're demanding it from me so I definitely recommend that to anyone even if it's doing it say one day like every Monday just having the phone on do not disturb mode and kind of seeing the productivity from that day compared to the next day when it's on I think it's a very good and easy hack.
1: Absolutely. And before Do Not Disturb was around, I remember when I was doing HSA, I used to actually just put my phone in my drawer and I would not pull it out until I did like a certain amount of study. But now this feature is like next level. And you're right. It helps you really reclaim your time and decide when you want to give other people your time. Because let's face it, as soon as a notification pops up, there is this like sense of urgency, like you just want to reply to it or you just want to check it. So by Mm -hmm. you literally life hacking your productivity by just removing the distraction because we all have that temptation, but just by getting rid of it, it's such an easy way to just zone in and focus. And you could even start if you feel like a whole day is too much of a commitment, you could even start with, if you, you know, if you're listening now really like the idea of what Naomi said, for example, you do more creative and strategic work in the morning and maybe more admin stuff in the afternoon. Maybe you can just put on do not disturb for that creative, block you have in the in the morning because that's probably going to demand a lot more of your brain focus and your brain attention and then it can be on what you're doing admin and can kind of like weave in and out of stuff so that's a really good one because the phone is um is a new age distraction and problem that I think 1800 1800s merchants didn't have to deal with but one we are now so blessed to have but brings with it its own issues so <laughs> blessing
0: and a curse, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this is kind of off what we're speaking about now. I think that's a really good tip because a lot of people are working from home, which means there really isn't as much separation between the personal and the professional as there was before. I mean, I know a lot of people are going back into the office, but I'm pretty sure most businesses are retaining some of that flexibility now. I mean, even like traditional law firms I used to work in who were like, no, we are never doing working from home are now open to, um, you know, a split sort of system because it works and people like it. So I think that's great. But I think as well, it becomes more difficult to stay disciplined and take breaks and switch off. So that phone Tip you just gave is fantastic and one I use myself. But if we're talking about specifically working from home, only because this applies to anybody listening, if you work for somebody else, or if you have your own business, or if you're shifting in between the two, like I used to do at home when I'd have like a really quiet afternoon and I'd just do my other stuff, how do you maintain that separation? Because I know you're working from home as well at the moment, too.
0: Yeah. So I love to have designated spots. In my house for work and designated spots for personal activities reading eating so I think by even if you've got a one-bedroom apartment just making sure that say you're not doing your work from your bed or your bedroom mm-hmm. um, whether you say if you don't have a, a living room or you've got housemates try going to a cafe or just kind of shake up the environment environment and make it clear you know where you do work and where you don't do work I think that it kind of goes into back to our point of hustle culture if you're working you know from your bed from your couch from your you know everywhere in your house you kind of find it hard to to break you know when to switch off and then you find Mm -hmm. yourself working at you know 11 p.m at night so I think really making the environment I think removing distractions is a big point. So, yeah, iPhone, switching that off. Um, Also with any team uh, members, whether that's colleagues or uh, employees below you, I think make it clear to them, um, you know, whether you're working from home or in the office, kind of, you know, when you can accept communication or whether you, you know, are Um, you know open for meetings or phone calls or whatever I think being quite clear in your communication Um, Mm. but I guess back to the kind of work environment I think just create a space that you love that you love to work in I think um, creating a space that's peaceful that's clean it will make you want to go to work um, or do your work every day as opposed to kind of um, procrastinating or not wanting to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love this point about environment. Um, it, It's interesting because as I was telling you before, everybody listening knows as well that I've just moved to Dubai. And what we're doing is we're staying one month in this place now, and then we're moving to another part of the city for another month, and then we're going to be traveling for a bit. So for me, I've always had this work style where I get very comfortable in the space and I really make it exactly what you just said, like have a designated space for work. And I've found like I was really able to drop into the zone and that's really had to shift for me now because I'm moving so much. I don't have that stability with my space. But I think exactly what you just said, it's it's about the intention I think you bring to a particular sp- uh, place or spot. I'm going to say spot because this place is very small. And so where I work, I also eat. But mm. the thing is, I know a lot of people listening as well will probably be working from their bedrooms. They probably have like a little setup in their room. I know a lot of my friends do as well. I think you have to be very mindful of the intention you're bringing to the space. So if, if you are working in your room or in your kitchen, you know, in your bedroom, for example, you're not taking the laptop and lying on your bed and working on your bed because then it just creates this um, oneness, I suppose, with relaxing and working. And then you probably find sometimes it's hard to switch off when you're lying in bed, which is no surprise uh, to me. So I think really, if, if you don't have a space where you can create those pockets or those little spots for yourself, I think it's still very achievable with the intention you bring. And if you found, I think in the past that you've blurred those lines and you've been listening to this going, oh my God, like my room is like for everything at the moment. And I feel like it's just, I feel so scrambled when I'm in there and I'm all over the place. Do like a complete reset. Now, I don't know if this sounds too woo-woo for anybody listening, but like get yourself a sage, get yourself a diffuser, you know, like get, New bed sheets, just like spruce it up, put some plants in there, give it like a little bit of a makeover, and you can start afresh. Like it's it's never sort of too late to reset your intention for a space. And I know that that's such a big thing when it comes to being productive and being comfortable in a space. So um, yeah, if, if any of these tips you've really liked, but you feel like you're kind of too late or you've already messed it up, I don't think that that's the case at all. And I think doing something like this is going to be so beneficial to your sense of balance, not only like throughout the day, but to really help maintain that separation between your work and your life, if that makes sense.
0: Mm, Yeah, a hundred percent. I think, yeah, no matter if you've got a full house or just a a single bedroom with housemates, I think you can make it work for you and just test it out as well. See what works. um, See, you know, you might love, I've been loving working from a cafe uh, twice a week, Mm -hmm. just kind of Um, yes it is you know harder to kind of focus when you've got a lot kind of going around there's a lot more sounds and everything like that but I think kind of switching up your environment um, you can kind of test what works um, better for your productivity.
1: Yeah absolutely now before I let you go I'm very curious to know what's been the biggest challenge you've personally found in your business whether it be like a specific example or just like a general challenge and um, what do you think you've learned from it?
0: Oh good question. I think probably b- building a team in any business is quite challenging. I think finding you know the right people that are good at their job but it's all about culture. Like it's all about kind of building a culture of people that are firstly aligned to the vision of the business but then also that share common interests. Um, So that's definitely probably yeah the biggest challenge with any business. I've built my team up over the past five years and I love them all very much. Um, They're all really great at what they do and they're specialists in what they do as well. I think in building a team I see too many people kind of build it and they have a lot of generalists that kind of you know have their hands in all different pots, they're stressed um, and it just I think in building a strong team yeah you need specialists and obviously that can kind of come with financial obligations and everything like that so I wouldn't necessarily recommend someone that's just starting out to hire you know three uh, part-time employees but I definitely think it can be a staged approach it's all about finding the right people that align with you.
1: Yeah you're not you're not the first to say that building out the team is probably the most challenging part of our business um but I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story, your expertise and your tips from your own It's I will find it so humbling to chat to other entrepreneurs and, and get their very raw and open, I guess, recount of their experience and especially when it comes to balance because I feel like, tools like Instagram really glorify the process and I think when we peel it back and have like a really honest conversation about what that looks like in terms of a lifestyle and just arm people with bits and pieces on how they can make the most of that experience or just I guess be open to working out on out on their own terms I think is very empowering so thank you so much firstly for your time And secondly, if people want to connect with you, follow along your story or check out NJ Consulting, was the best place they can do so? And I'll pop links in the show notes below.
0: Perfect. Thank you, Erica. It's been lovely chatting. Um, I'm most reachable on Instagram. So Naomi Johnston with a double N, or I'm also very active on LinkedIn. So I post about three or four times a week over there. Um, my website is njconsulting.com.au. So if you are interested in reaching out, whether it's just for a call or collaboration, work, whatever, um, just feel free to reach out. I'm happy to, yeah, have a chat. Awesome. Well,
1: thank you so much again for your time. And um, I can't wait to see what what the next five years brings for NJ Consulting, the team and yourself.
0: Thank you, Erica. I appreciate it.